Welcome to Honest Jams, the podcast where two friends got real cordial with the muse. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda. Hey. Good friend. It's it's right there <laughs> in wrote, the in the title too. And wrote a new song each week based on a prompt. This week's prompt is friend. I'm Al. I'm Walker. And with us today we have multi instrumentalist, songwriter extraordinaire Adrian Hatkin. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank yeah. you. We like to start off by talking about our guests' musical history. Do you remember your first encounters with music in your life? I think that the first instrument I played was my dad's um my dad had one of those Wurlitzer electric pianos because mm-hmm. he was like mm-hmm. a, a jazzy guy. Like that? Yes, but like the black one with the steel oh. legs. Uh-huh. I think I like suitcase style? It was like heavy AF, Uh but yes. (laughs) I did the thing where I just kind of like played on my own as a kid, and I thought I discovered the fact that like if you just play the black keys, Mm. you've got a hit song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The old pentatonic scale. Yeah. I was like, does anyone else know about this? Whoever wrote... (laughs) 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 Grammy award winning (laughs) writer. What is that song called? It must have a title. Yeah. I want to say it's called Moose Knuckles. (laughs) Whoa. I don't think that's right. (laughs) Because you play it with your knuckles, you know? Right. Totally. I yeah. think it's called Moose Yeah, Knuckles. Chopsticks, that's got the name. But the other one, I feel like maybe it kind of exists as in kids' public consciousness, kind of. Yeah. So how old were you in that? Uh, probably like seven, uh-huh. I want to say. And he was a musician? Yeah. I, I never really like got to see my dad like perform out or anything. I feel like he was the kind of person who like maybe had dreams of being a musician mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, had a child maybe and it just made myself sad <laughs> and guilty. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he would still play uh, a little bit. I know that um, music was like kind of in the family. His father had a proper band. Like there's a photograph from a newspaper floating around somewhere in the house of like my grandfather, you know, clad in like identical suits with four other guys. Nice. Yeah. Did he pass that down to you or did he just kind of let you explore on your own? He didn't offer to like, teach me much which I don't fault him for I don't think I expressed a ton of interest when I was really young when like band became a thing in school I just realized like oh I don't I don't think I consciously knew it but I was like ew responsibility and (laughs) structure Mm -hmm. no thanks you were kind of like messing around with the instrument though like yeah up through that I would goof around with that and then like as I got older you know like I was you know a kid so I had my like pop music phase where I was really into like Paula Abdul and I, I was like writing pop songs in my head <laughs> when I was like ages 8 to 11. Lyrics or like yes. you heard full kind of like things I, happening? I think, can I um, premiere one of <laughs> <laughs> these songs from my childhood that lived in my head? Yeah. Um, here for of you course. guys? Yes please. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean this is really the ultimate truth window. Truth window. Here's my truth window. <laughs> I wrote this song. This is all I have, but, <clears throat> and I can't hit all the notes. And when I go, ba, 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 it's horns. And I don't think I even knew at the time that that's what it was supposed to be, but. Ooh, don't take advantage, ba, ba, ba. You're much too young to be above the laws of love. <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> So had stuff You're like much that. Much too young to be above the laws of love. I think I was ten. Let's, yeah, let's <laughs> unpack that. 
I don't think I even no, knew what any of that You still remember it, though. Yeah. I still got it in there. You were just stringing together what you thought a pop song was. Yeah. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in my backyard by myself because I didn't have siblings. Mm. And um, the stuff just started bubbling around in my head Mm -hmm. and i remember another one of the songs but um then later i realized it was like a direct ripoff of the p-52s nice so i'm not gonna say that one (laughs) so you were you 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 didn't feel the need to kind of like bring these musical impulses kind of like in like bigger ways out into the world i really wanted to but i just didn't have the confidence or knowledge Mm -hmm. of like even where to start and I, to be honest, there are still days where I feel like that, where I'll like hear something in my head and I'll be like, I have no idea how to like make that real, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Um, so like to be a, a kid who like didn't have any, con- you know, like I, I didn't know how to play anything. I also had this idea that like you needed to be taught how to play things properly in order for it to be considered real music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have any of that yet. So yeah. Yeah, so I just kind of like didn't really have any ambitions for those things. I didn't really start to think about the possibility of truly playing music and writing songs until I was maybe 13 or 14. Um, Like once I started getting out of the pop phase, I remember growing up like around my dad's record collection and being like ew they smell musty you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) they smell like old being kind of scared of it and then kids in my grade like the cool kids would start to listen to the Beatles and stuff and I was like Mm. yeah the Beatles are cool (laughs) just like did a 180 um and and like pulled out my dad's records and then um discovered bob dylan and i was like oh you know and it's just funny because he was writing songs about you know protest songs and like as a kid like you know as a pretty privileged kid growing up in new jersey had like really no concept of like what it is to criticize your government or why you would you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i just still felt that power of it and i was like i want to do this you know Mm -hmm. and i expressed that to my dad and he bought me my first acoustic guitar i think i was 14 and that's when I started started writing songs, but I couldn't really even sing in front of people for years. Yeah. Did, did either of you experience that when you were young where like you could, like my throat would close up if I tried to oh, sing in front of physically. other people? I, I was made to parade around and <laughs> sing in my dad's wedding band. Oh. There's a video of me, I'm like five or six. And I'm, I learned two songs. I learned Somewhere Over the Rainbow and Someday My Prince Will Come. And we practiced it at home a lot. And then once I was there at the wedding, there's video of me and I'm just like terrified looking. Oh, and up. all you can hear is <laughs> just like little mumbles from this child. But Aww. thinking back, it's like, I feel like I wasn't the one who was like, hey, you know what I want to do is perform at a wedding. For pe-. You know, I think it was more like my dad's cute addition you know to his his whole spiel so i yeah it was the opposite i was like expected to perform mm-hmm. mm. but you just actually felt that kind of like physical you just couldn't get yeah, it out physically in front of could not uh-huh. it was really weird i could sing did if, you want to oh yeah yeah i wanted to show people my songs but even knowing that someone might be in the next room and could overhear by accident yeah. um like i would freeze up yeah yeah the voice is so vulnerable in that way i think most people have that element like even if they're just singing or whatever like Mm -hmm. in a in a traditional way that sounds good to people or whatever like it's still i think most people have that unless they get like a 
shitload of like positive reinforcement from people around them like there's just no way to know that like the sounds you're making are acceptable to other people or <laughs> yeah. something like that and it's like totally. the ultimate judgment is like your because vo- it's you can't change what's yeah. it's your body <laughs> yeah and if it's not a bustling noisy household with a bunch of kids uh-huh. you know my brother and i would make up songs and like freestyle songs when we were little so there's always some kind of noise yeah. happening in the house but if it was quiet you know if you're the only one there it would seem uh, a, a farther bridge to cross yeah mm-hmm. it's to make that completely noise different to be like emitting noise with other people while other stuff is happening is just like happenstance but then when suddenly like attention is brought to you you're like ah (laughs) (laughs) did you so you didn't really have encouragement though around you that was like not when I was little I did have some friends like I would I would tape myself Hmm. and then I would show my friends just like uh whatever just like a cassette yeah I had just like the black Uh rectangular could you do overdubs or just one take (laughs) no yeah (laughs) what I tried to do was like play something through my stereo and then play to that uh, sounded like garbage. Yeah, but um, that's what I tried to pull off. A People still times. do that shit with like an iPhone or something, though. Yeah, <laughs> well, they probably make little, it sound a little bit a little better bit. than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think when when I started like getting a little bit of confidence. Um, definitely by college, I was like performing out mm-hmm. and starting to feel like, yeah, I can do this. I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm a but from the very beginning, you were like, I want to be playing these songs in front of people. Yeah. How did you start playing in front of people? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think like what my first show was. Um, oh, yeah. I don't even, I don't know if I yeah. could think of what my first, do you know what your first show was? I think it was that wedding thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sure. What is the show? Right. I guess yeah, that becomes a little complicated that. what a show is, especially yeah. if you, like I was in the school system. So it's like, do those kind of shows? Ta- talent I shows. Think so. Talent show. Oh, Elementary yeah. school talent shows. Uh, speaking of probably somewhere, a piano recital is actually probably my first one. I actually got a second shot at that somewhere over the rainbow. I'm realizing oh. now because Redemption. I did it in, I think it was like second or third third grade in a talent school talent show but i sang it on a bale of hay with like a red and white checkered dress and oh my pigtails and my dad just like sitting off to the side playing acoustic guitar wait were you supposed to be dorothy i was supposed to be dorothy <laughs> but your dress was red it was it was red checkered like like a picnic table, okay like uh-huh. a tablecloth okay. gingham. dress yeah. yeah oh is that what gingham is i've never known yeah <laughs> i mean all these like pattern shapes and stuff like that are things that i yeah that's the only other one i know <laughs> but yeah i got my shot and uh i didn't win i think i got i placed somewhere in it but Wait, this... you had a competitive talent show oh yeah oh it's always yeah. competitive there's okay. always a winner the ones in my elementary show. school were competitive i feel like. this was in losers. southern california so uh-huh. the challenge was a little more cutthroat <laughs> there apparently this other girl won who played because the winners get to like be in movies and stuff no, the, I think you got like a gift certificate to a restaurant or something. Uh-huh. I don't know, something raffly um, type of prize. But this other girl won. And my parents told me that she won because, not because her flute playing was excellent, but because she, her family was moving away and they had done a lot for the town. Nice. Do you think that's true? Status. I don't, I, I did at the time. I believe them. I was like, okay, yeah, my singing was more <laughs> impressive than that. But like now i don't know you know her flute playing might have been great uh-huh. like yeah. maybe your parents just had something against that family or something <laughs> maybe they hated that little they, girl no they didn't they didn't have anything against the family they were just like this is they're like let me tell you about local politics you know? <laughs> wow. i think her name was like gretchen or something i don't know we'll never so know do you remember your first show 
Yeah. Now I'm, I'm racking my what brain. What kinds of shows were you playing initially? Like, um, were you putting them together kind of yourself? No, or was it I wasn't like that cool. Open mic type things or. You know where I probably played for the first time. Okay. I do remember one of my earliest show memories is playing a really crappy song on a synthesizer, like a, probably a Casio or a cheap Yamaha at the Rathskeller in my college. Is that like a common word for colleges? Rathskeller? I've never heard it. No, yeah. That was like... Like the cafeteria area or something? Yeah, it was like the cafeteria area. Yeah, that's where... Cafeteria area. A lot of college shows happen in cafeterias, weirdly, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You had to pull all the mustards and ketchup off the table (laughs) and get the night vibes going. Still like... No drinking. Super bright fluorescent lights. Uh (laughs) They send you the check like three weeks later. I, I didn't get paid. (laughs) Um, I'm now remembering that like I was frustrated because I was playing the song and like you know everyone in the audience was people I knew and they were trying to be supportive and it was so cool but they were like clapping and they were like throwing me off and (laughs) oh like along with the music yeah Yeah. oh yeah that that is so tough because you're like oh good spirit crowd you're really messing me up you guys are all over the map Wow. But you kept going anyway. I kept going. Yeah. I think a thing that... Guitar is kind of like your primary thing that you're doing? At that point, yeah. Uh So at some point in college, I lived with my friend, Jenny. We started watching um, a lot of movies by this Serbian-Bosnian director, Amir Kusharica. I think... I never know if I'm saying his name right. But a lot of his movies had this young boy probably like a 12 year old who like wore glasses and he was always playing accordion mm-hmm. and it was like so magical and charming these movies were so good and I was like I need to harness that you know mm. and then just so serendipitously I was working at my friend's like new age gift shop at the time and I was on my way to work and there was a little antique store next door and they had a student accord- I didn't even know it was a student accord I didn't even know that it was exactly what I needed mm. it just mm. was an accordion and it was in my budget um so I got it and then what's just- the weight difference on that mm, I want to say that a student that at least the one that I had was probably I'm really terrible at gauging weights but I want to say it was between between 15 and 20 pounds mm-hmm. whereas the like full button piano accordions are like too thir- much yeah <laughs> That's what I got. 30 to 40 pounds. Yeah. uh, Yeah. 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 At least 40. (laughs) It's no good. Backstrap necessary for sure. Yeah. I have, I always thought like, oh, I've got a strong back from playing the accordion. But Uh um, sometime in January, I really like messed myself up. I think maybe from playing drums because I don't play drums very well because I'm brand new at it. And I had like bad form and was probably like all tense, but like still pushing through my own tension or Mm -hmm. something coupled with like a year of pandemic like lying in my bed looking at my (laughs) phone in like unhealthy yeah like I I probably gave myself like repetitive stress syndrome in my rib anyway so yeah yeah, so I can't stand and play accordion or guitar right now Mm. and it's it's kind of bumming me out yeah so this is you were on the east coast Mm -hmm. I was in New Jersey New Jersey and you found an accordion Mm -hmm. and you're like this is the instrument for me yeah, I mean, it was hard to, I mean, arguably, I would say it was hard to make it sound bad. I'm sure there were people who <laughs> disagreed. That is um, <laughs> a very questionable statement. <laughs> um, but, you know, it just sounded cool. And I think everyone was just charmed by its novelty, honestly. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of my friends at that time were like super supportive of me playing it. I just reconnected with some friends last night and we were reminiscing about how um they had created this communal art space where you know they would like have 
performance art and installation shows and stuff and I participated in a friend's huge like walkthrough installation playing the accordion badly but no one knew you know mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like that's amazing <laughs> um yeah and it wasn't until I actually broke that accordion I moved here and I I was probably drunk and I like dropped that student accordion that I'd had for like five six years at that point uh-huh. and I was like I don't know anyone who like I have no idea how to get this fixed but there um was this amazing lady Eileen Hagen Eileen um, Hagen good old yeah. Eileen Hagen did you take lessons from her I didn't take lessons but she she put a pickup in my accordion oh yeah yeah and any that's the accordion repair person in Portland yeah <laughs> I mean there are a few others um yeah. some of them are I'm sure I haven't I haven't gotten an accordion repaired in yeah. probably eight years <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was so fortuitous at that time that, you know, I broke it and then I got to meet her and then I was like, oh, I could take lessons from you and learn how to play this, you know, intricate instrument for mm-hmm. real. So then I, I think I studied with her for like 10 years, maybe with nice. a, a couple, maybe like a year break at one point. But And you were like still like it's all in the service of like writing songs yeah. for yourself and yeah, yeah, yeah. you wanting to play music in the world. Yeah, I mean, I like you know being a supporting player mm-hmm. in other people's projects for sure but i've always um felt driven to write songs where you like this music is like the main thing that i want to be yeah. doing with my life kind of yeah and you know i've tried <laughs> i've tried to like set it aside um sure. because capitalism you mm-hmm. know because like why pick one of the industry like industries that's so difficult to live off <laughs> yeah yeah um so the, the middle class musician is i mean just like middle class things in general yeah has pretty much disappeared it seems like but yeah i mean honestly i would love to be middle class <laughs> playing music for <laughs> yeah, a living of course um oh yeah i don't even a middle class musician is somebody like barely able to pay their rent yeah with music basically wow you really made it you <laughs> bought groceries yeah <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've put it aside, like, trying to, um, you know, I started a business making jewelry. That was uh, about a decade ago, and I was like, well, you know, because I've always had a lot of, like, insecurity about music, and I thought, well, maybe it would be easier on my mental health if I just, like, set it aside and put all my creative energy into something else and tried to get my need for validation through another art form. Mm-hmm. But it ended up just backfiring because instead I felt like I was neglecting. I I never felt validation, the same kind of validation. It didn't like Mm -hmm. making jewelry. I love it, but it will never have the same emotional impact as like writing a song that maybe makes someone cry. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I make cool rings, but they don't make anyone cry. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think is that insecurity versus like, it's interesting that you feel so committed to it. But then is is it kind of like the external validation wears at you over time? I mean, that's what I find for myself. Yeah, just like... I would love to. I, I know that there are many artists who don't even show their work to anyone because that's how independent they are of needing external validation from other people. I will never be like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Us either. We're like, hey, world, <laughs> yeah. new song every week. We make a yeah. podcast. <laughs> no, it's great. I love what you're doing. Just like having this project to keep you creative and like also to interact with a different artist every week like it's so cool yeah i don't know i think you have to kind of like basically invent things like that for yourself in order to like create meaning around it you know like uh, the the process of like creating meaning in general is just 
we're making it all up anyway (laughs) um so it's just you you have it's like about finding uh some kind of like internal compass with that stuff where Mm -hmm. it's like you understand the reason that you're making things that does go kind of beyond even if the external validation is a layer of it there's enough of kind of like the internal validation or drive or something like that that like keeps you totally but you don't seem to have i mean you've made a bunch of shit over the years like you don't seem you don't seem to have like lost momentum that's nice to hear thanks um i mean i don't like i feel like i've known about you since i moved to portland basically and you've seemed to have been working whatever that means as a musician (laughs) like through that yeah i'm one of the people who was wowed by your accordion playing in mid in mid 2000s yeah (laughs) that's so nice i think did we play a show together at like the we played a bunch of shows at um kelly's on kelly's Kelly's. too yeah Yeah, the like songwriter roundup Mm -hmm. type shows Mm. but it's also just your like band name has just been kind of like in my head since I moved to Portland, I think, or something. It's nice to hear this feedback (laughs) because obviously, like, we all have different versions of how we view our... Our version Mm -hmm. of ourself is always different from how others perceive us, which obviously can be good or bad. And, of course, we're all our own worst critics, so Mm -hmm. it's... It only takes one person to say one thing to me that, like, makes me feel like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sensitive to a fault. And, you know, there are times where, like, I'd run into someone and they'd be like, oh, are you still playing music or you're not you're not really doing that anymore? Huh? Mm. I'm like, I what? <laughs> like, why would you say that? Yeah. I don't know. A lot of times I feel like they don't realize how hard somebody is trying to, like, do the thing that they're doing, you know, like. Yeah. A lot of when people are like putting albums out, like it's usually not that they're just randomly throwing something together just for like shits. Like a lot of times it's they have this very intentional process that they've been a part of and are putting basically everything that they have financially and emotionally behind the thing. Yeah, and the amount of time emailing (laughs) band-aids. That's a lot Pan of work. Seriously. Fucking press, like all the, every, every, every yeah. related element of it that like nobody the completely, goes into. How about the completely changing landscape of how music is even released? Mm-hmm. That's happened like in our lifetime or oh, even yeah. our adulthood of releasing music. Mm-hmm. That's hard to even know what course to take to try to find listeners or get that validation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you can put an album out, pour your heart into it and it's just out in the ether and like 12 people listen to it on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's so sad. Everyone but, should just make ma- a podcast. <laughs> right? Just, albums are done. I think everybody podcast. does make a podcast. Oh, darn it. Too late. <laughs> do you, can I ask you guys, do you um, find it overwhelming at any point to like, because you've been doing this for a year and a half now. Like, mm-hmm. are there ever weeks where you're like, I would love to just take a week off and focus on my own stuff? Or do you, do you like the structure? I've never had that with this because it's prescriptive for mm-hmm. me, for my schedule to know, you know, you have X amount of hours, even if it doesn't, if it's not that many hours, if I'm busy, it's like, these are your hours to do whatever you're going to do. So it's like, it's like self-care or something, yeah. just having uh-huh. that time to work on something. And also like occasionally we'll book guests a ways in advance and then I can kind of double up. So I'm not always yeah. making the song yeah. like two days before the episode that's how it was at first (laughs) but now it's like i'm partying a little smarter on it and this podcast is not to me it's not at all about a a time-based challenge which i also enjoy Mm -hmm. doing like 20 song games and things like that Mm -hmm. but this is more about whatever time it took you to make the song whenever you made it like what did you do yeah every Mm -hmm. week is different 
I definitely have had some weeks where I'm just not motivated in any way. But it's uh, I've built music creation into my life in a habitual way at this Mm -hmm. point if i do have a limited amount of time like i know if i sit down for like three hours like i will have a song if i need to have a song by Mm -hmm. the end of it you know like i i'm we because we've done this so many times in a row because we've set it up so like a song can be anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that part really helps yeah you have to like open it up like i'm not writing what i think is like the most like the best song that everybody in that listens to it will like love that's not like the goal that's not the goal with our guests too you know like i think that that helps with the motivation the contributive element of it where it's like providing a voice where like the point is to kind of like validate other people's experience whatever it is into them creating whatever they want to create Mm -hmm. that's what i want culture to do in general yeah mm-hmm. so like i want to be a voice in the culture that's like helping that yeah <laughs> non-judgmental for whatever ends it is for you you yeah. know like that that if, if your end is like you know you want to do the whole music business game then that's great play that game and if the end is kind of like you just whatever like to play with synthesizers then yeah <laughs> that's your game too we it also doesn't... have a rule that we don't have any jerks on the show so <laughs> it's always too it's late. always like <laughs> fun stuff to hear about people's feelings and behind the scenes when they're writing songs mm-hmm. you know? so yeah i find that um i kind of like a lot of people who lived through 2020 i feel like i'm deprogramming myself out of capitalist mindsets that you realize have like snuck into all facets of our lives Mm -hmm. like looking at something like a weekly podcast or a songwriting challenge or just the act of writing songs or being a musician like oh i need to produce quality product Mm -hmm. (laughs) content content yeah gross yeah but i say that word too because sometimes that's the only word to use if it's good content yeah it means something specific now to like shift it from being a product Uh based idea or a product based goal into like an experience Mm -hmm. based goal is i think cool and important to yeah stay focused on it's it's uh, with what you're saying kind of like you know the social media aspect of it now where the way external validation comes to us is through kind of like this game that we're playing where it's like you get these points for doing it in a certain way or whatever and it's like it is it's going to change the way you think about things if you engage in a certain way with that where your you know ego and self-worth is going to start getting tied to this like process that really has nothing to do with the impact that you're making on people or anything like i think about the way that i engage with social media uh, like other people's stuff whether or not i like something or whatever or not rarely is a function of like me taking the time to like really take this thing in Mm -hmm. and like let it affect me in a certain way like sometimes sure i'll get i'll come across something that like affects me in that way or something Mm -hmm. but most of the time it's just this very quick like instantaneous impression of the thing and like no depth at all yeah Mm -hmm. well when you when you post like a link to a new song on Bandcamp or a music video and then you get likes within 20 seconds. You're like, you uh-huh. didn't watch you the didn't. video. Right. You, just, you just pressed the heart, which I do appreciate. So thank you. <laughs> and I do do. 
Like it's not I'm doing the same thing. I'll I'll do I'll I'll like it and yeah. then I'll go watch the video. I'm like exactly. that confident that I'll enjoy my friend's <laughs> art. <laughs> Well, because, right, it's not actually... Let me go remove this heart. It's only a thumbs up. um, Maybe I'll bring it back later. Let's check out your video first. (laughs) Do you ever, like, see stuff that you already liked and you have no memory of ever seeing it before? (laughs) I think you know you're in trouble with the internet at that point because I do that all the time. I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember. Did someone else like it? (laughs) Yeah, it's like your curated thing on Facebook of what... You know, it's like you as a person, these are the bands you like. And it's like the handful of friends that had, you know, the wherewithal to invite me to like their things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like such a tiny percent of what I like. You would get a very skewed idea of me judging (laughs) by my Facebook stats. So how do you cope with all this nonsense? Do you, which nonsense specifically? That that external validation versus the kind of drive to keep creating and putting things, things out. Well, I mean, I can't act like the shallowness of social media or its external validation like hasn't sometimes been really good for me. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's not all bad. The pandemic allowed me to have more time and funding to make more music Mm -hmm. at home alone and post it to social media. And I really realized like, oh, people actually do listen to it and like it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it boosted my self-confidence and it has made me want to make more more content more yeah. hot content for you <laughs> well the, all right the amazing thing about it is that it gives you access to billions of people and the likelihood that somebody in those billions will like what you do versus the likelihood that somebody in the bar that you're playing in will like what you do you know at the Dude. 70 people in the bar 15 people in the bar three people in the bar whatever situation you're in obviously the more people that are exposed to it the more likely it is that somebody will like it the more likely that you'll get hate also but like that's part of yes and i do get that but you know uh, i gotta grow with thicker skin anyway (laughs) so it's a good exercise to get trolled i guess but um we've had no trolling thus far yeah we're hoping to get some at some point No, no one writing made in it. A, nobody writing in about corrections and that's no, the main no thing awesome. we're, we're constantly seeking last week i even i made a reference to darth vader and li- when i edited the podcast i realized that the fact that i said about darth vader was wrong so i'm really <laughs> hoping some star wars fanatic <laughs> writes in we should <laughs> say something deliberately <laughs> incorrect about star wars now to get some reactions there you go yeah um Luke Skinwalker is my <laughs> favorite character. That's <laughs> is that a porno? The porn version. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> no, Skinwalker Ranch is the like scary place. Oh, it's there's a whole thing on it on uh-huh. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but I was gonna say about like shows versus yeah. online. I think there is also like a, a benefit to putting your stuff online versus live performance is um you get really honest feedback from people mm-hmm. via messages that they write you you know um whereas i feel like people can be too shy to do that in person right yeah when the automatic response to anybody being on stage is good job yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> great set <laughs> well we're excited to hear what you wrote for the podcast Same-sies. um but before we do we do this what does the internet say on the topic of the day and if it's wrong you can let us know by using the internet too see we're even like begging 
for have you, written <laughs> That makes me realize. Have you even checked like the Facebook this, private message inbox? Maybe there's uh, a ton. Maybe there's like, some I think we both abandoned maybe. that a while well, ago. We'll we'll learn about hot singles in our area. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, friend. Oh, very open-ended. Open-ended. But you know what? There's a certain TV show that really skewed results <laughs> oh. when one is looking for facts about friends. Yeah, I didn't think to just Google friends. <laughs> I always just search whatever the topic is, fun facts. I mean, okay. that's the easiest. That's the okay. path of least resistance. Yeah. Um, but what I found today, I Plus made... alliterative, fun facts. Yeah. I, I made a new stinger to oh, nice. tell you what I found. Seven fascinating facts. Okay, seven fascinating facts. You took it for a ride. I did. (laughs) There's only one way that most people think of the word fascinating in a song. Fascinating rhythm. Mm. It's really hard to get away Mm. from that to make that stinger. (laughs) Anyway, before we get into it. Are are these fascinating facts about the friendship? Oh, friendship. Not the TV show friends. Just about friends. friends. Or about Lisa Kudrow. (laughs) No. But before that, I wanted to define friend. Behavioral oh. scientists and uh, psychologists describe a close friendship as a relationship that involves a long-lasting bond of sacrifice and shared moments. Mm. They also add a true friend. I'd, I'd like to see their <laughs> list where it's like friends and untrue friends. <laughs> true friend prioritizes your happiness, never asks you to put your friendship before your principles, and you miss never. them when they're gone. Oh. Okay. So... Um, That's a scientific definition? Social scientific. Social science, okay. <laughs> uh, which is a kind of science. Somebody trying to define. Okay. Um, number one, friendship is one of the first thing that we actually learn about as human beings. Mm. According to the University of Chicago, nine-month-old babies can understand social relationships even before they can walk or talk. How they ask them, I don't know. But they <laughs> say that they watch strangers talking and can make guesses whether the strangers are friends or not. Mm. Maybe it's like a finger pointing system. I don't know. I got these. Wait, they asked the ba- the nine month old. I don't know how they. <laughs> I don't know how they determined that the nine months old knew okay. that people were friends, but they have determined that the babies can differentiate. Uh-huh. Um, these came from factslegend.org. Oh yeah, and they got <laughs> um, and they and they didn't they didn't explain themselves, but they got their info from India Times. Okay, so, um, so this might skew. Uh, that way number two friends make us more attractive there's something called the cheerleader effect according to this effect people look more attractive in a group because attractive people increase the appeal of the group it it brings up the attractiveness of everyone because the way your your brain associates people with each other Mm -hmm. you kind of see the attractive face and you can kind of mentally paste it on everyone Mm -hmm. Uh, number three if you get into a relationship, they say if you fall in love in here, but you know, if you get into a relationship, basically, most likely two friends from your friend cycle get pushed out. Oh, Ouch. you only so, got so much room for friends. Huh? You only have so much time, but you know, if your partner is your best friend, then mm-hmm. there you go. You didn't lose that one. <laughs> Number four, according to that is an interesting thing that uh, I, because I, uh, being a highly introverted person, I've always had a very tiny friendship circle. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's that kind of dependent on that, right? Because somebody that has less close friends or whatever versus somebody that has kind of like a wider group of friends that they have more casual relationships with or mm-hmm. something like that or mm-hmm. or like just more relationships in general i feel like that would make a huge difference i to feel that. like they're defining these friendships in the number um according to who is a confidant mm-hmm. okay. a yours. true friend a true friend yeah, yeah. 
Who knows? Uh, back, like back, back to Very Facebook judgmental. here. Number four, according to a survey conducted on Facebook users, people uh, consider their uh, online... On Facebook users. Yeah. Yes. Not with. Conducted on Facebook <laughs> users. Okay. People consider their online friends as offensive and rude. Uh-huh. This didn't reduce the time they spent online. The reason <laughs> for this is because people like to judge other people silently. Okay. <laughs> These are interesting conclusions. They are. They like they didn't they don't link to like the specific studies or uh-huh. anything. Yeah. They're like take our word you for it. You did say these were in- fasc- oh, fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> Maybe not true, but fascinating. <laughs> Number five, we can manage to have 500 acquaintances and can remember the faces and names of 1,500 people at the max. That seems like a lot. It does seem like a lot. I heard stats that were different a long time ago, but it was like, you can have, you can remember 200 people. I don't know. It's like all of these numbers are pretty Mm-hmm. arbitrary my, yeah my, my I mean, impression they're saying of most... acquaintances so i think it's just you remembering their name and how they're related to other people yeah okay number six the number of casual friends that you can handle is 150 maybe this is closer to that number that you mm. yeah heard. okay um the number has a name it's called the dunbar number dunbar, from yeah. a british anthropologist from the 90s named mm-hmm. robin dunbar and he was looking at brain size of chimps i certainly don't condone messing with brains of anyone um <laughs> but he was able to correlate size of brain with how many friendships they could maintain mm. and then he applied that to humans so well who knows about that one too uh and finally i think that's another pretty questionable one these this days. is the one that i this this final one is the one that i'm like really you're gonna need to support that somehow so maybe <laughs> i should look deeper but close friends share approximately one percent of their dna making them like fourth cousins genetically speaking like people they tested people's dna Uh who were friends and 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 found that people who were friends shared around one percent of dna they're like maybe that has to do with like epigenetics though like not necessarily like it's you're attracted to people that are similar to you so much as although i think that is a thing that you live in an area where they're actually like syncing up in a certain way maybe you know they didn't i don't know i'm gonna have to look deeper at that but it's just something to think about what did you find I found those facts to all be very questionable is what I found. Take it up with India Times. <laughs> One of the first things that I thought about was uh, unlikely friendships. Have you seen this? It's like an internet meme of like animals that are oh, yeah. like all like pals. But <laughs> you don't, you wouldn't, you know, Lifelong them. pals. Some of them, it, it, there's, it's such kind of like a cottage industry of the internet now. It seems like oh, that, yeah. that there's a bunch of different ways. I used to have a Facebook page called um, Interspecies BFFs of the Day Award oh, and yeah. I would like give an award oh, okay. every day. To... You've probably heard of these yeah. fellas. So I, I just <laughs> wanted to bring a couple to the table. Maybe one, but we'll see. Uh, uh, Bubbles, the African element and Bella, the Black Labrador. Do you know this one? Yes. Uh, residents at the Myrtle Beach Safari in South Carolina. They become the best of friends and can be seen playing in the water together. Bubbles throws the ball with her trunk while Bella jumps off of Bubbles' head or back and swims to retrieve the ball. Bubbles was rescued in Africa after her parents were both found killed by poachers during a 20-year slaughter of elephants in Africa for their ivory. So Bubbles first arrived. She weighed only 340 pounds and was 42 inches tall. Now she's over 9 feet tall and weighs 4 tons. Yeah, so super sickly elephant. You can see pictures. So cute. Pretty cute. Little little black lab. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
atop an elephant. There's a lot of there's a lot of species like, yeah. that they're finding that with. I mean, who knows ones that haven't been studied, but like horses, dolphins. Yeah, uh, it seems it seems pretty rare that they're um, the ones that I was looking at at least are not domestic in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. There's at least one of the pair that is a domestic animal. So I feel like there's some kind of like domesticity happening. Like it's not something that just kind of naturally occurs. Like it's, it doesn't seem like people just like traveling through Madagascar all of a sudden see like a big cat in a, something that they eat hanging out. Right. It's not a Pixar cartoon. <laughs> We're living in. I don't think. That's what the internet said. All right. We've come to the time where we share our songs. What, what, what did you make this week? What, what, what did you make this week? Tell us all about it. Tell us all about it. Tell us all about it. So what do you want us to know about your song before we hear it? I could give you an hour of disclaimers. So <laughs> I'll just say that um, the recording quality is not superb just because um, I've been making demos with that acapella multi-track video app. So it's basically video audio. Mm. And then the other... Wait, explain what that is, what you mean by that to people that don't know what that means. I've been recording my demos simultaneously as audio files but also as videos for content Uh to have content to show people that like i'm playing all of the instruments so the acapella they can see like a grid of you playing yes oh cool Uh, yeah this um app is really handy i encourage you know even if you're a novice songwriter if you are interested in like layering or even if you don't want to show your song to anyone but you just need like a songwriting tool to help piece out what different parts will sound like layered together it's a great tool for that Mm. yeah so in this video that i made for this demo i think i made seven little squares Mm -hmm. that are pieced together in the video and you can see see me performing all of the instruments Um, and and then you were just recording it through your phone yes yes so i was focused more on like having a visual component rather than like making every piece of the song sound as good as it could right and, and no then, and no editing afterwards or anything like that no like you can't really the waveforms are right you yeah. can't really go back and like punch anything in or take anything out kind of is what it is it's like seven live performances all in that's one. cool yeah, it's its uh, own yeah. challenge yeah yeah you're just committed to each take kind of like that that's, yeah that's pretty awesome. and it, it can be <laughs> challenging there's a lot of swearing <laughs> um and then the other thing i'll say before is like i said i'm a newer drummer so i was having a really hard time like counting off like one two three four like didn't match up this, i was doing the shuffle beat and i realized it was easier to say boom check i'll just let you hear what i say <laughs> Love it. so yeah so that's at the top uh what's does it have a name uh it's called the big empty
trilogy song yeah. with three parts that you're like oh I'm new at drums and then there's like three <laughs> tempo changes and, <laughs> and some next level tambourining too yeah. yeah I was jazzed at the fact that I could sneak in a couple tambo hits just with my left foot I was like oh nice Ooh. I'm really doing it I'm, ex- I'm excited that now I can watch the video for it because that was so sweet that you texted and were like just a heads up there's a little video out there I don't want to spoil the surprise yeah I felt really like vain like I ha- I have no um gratification delay what's that what's oh yeah the term I was like really Adrian you can't just wait an extra <laughs> week to like <laughs> post the video but like I worked on something else last month and like haven't released it yet so I haven't shared that you know and I was just like oh, I'm gonna share it uh-huh. yeah. so yeah the little kid oh, I mean I like, would post so much stuff if it weren't for all like accidentally <laughs> seeing it I would absolutely like I still post, post stuff. More stuff you just aren't really on Instagram so I don't I, I it's true I, kinda, anyway. I don't go on very often <laughs> Um, it's for the best. Are you able to redo a take? You do it one square at a time. Yeah. And you can go back, but you'll have, like, let's say you start with the drums, then you put bass on, and then you put guitar. But if you're like, eh, I kind of don't like those drums, like, you'll, you'll, if you go back to square one, mm-hmm. you'll lose mm-hmm. everything you've everything. done past oh. that. But can you undo the one that you just did? The one you just did, right. you can still undo. Okay, so you can do a take multiple times. You don't have to get oh, it right. Oh, 40 times, apparently. Okay. You don't have to get it right seven times in a row on different no, instruments. That, so what was the order that you did? I did drums first, then bass, then uh, the band star. A lot of people think I'm proficient at banjo, which is not true. I have a banjo strung like a guitar. Mm. Um, so then I did banjo guitar. That's what I call it. I don't know what they're really called. Um, then I did acoustic guitar. But wait, four six strings still? Uh, six strings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you're basically playing don't ban- a guitar. Some banjos have yes. four and five, right? Also? Yes. Okay. I think traditionally they have five, like four, and then like a super high one. The high one, right? And then there's tenor tenor banjos, which have four. Right. But this is not either of those. Yeah. Yeah. Guitar, bass get joe uh <laughs> um acoustic guitar and then yeah and then i did the two vocal and i had i really struggled with the harmony because um i don't know about youtube or the, anyone listening but um in theory i can like write a harmony and sing it if i'm away from the actual music and then once the song starts like i just forget it and mm. i snap right back to the main melody mm. it's really frustrating <laughs> um so there is a lot of swearing in that harmony take that took me like 15 tries before plus the harmony take you have to just you have to kind of sit there like you're on video but you have to sit there waiting to sing all of my instagram is a lot of tiny little squares of me like waiting awkwardly (laughs) (laughs) and then making faces or i'll make faces if like because also yeah you can't again yeah you're just sitting through everything and like i'll hear noises in the rest of the house or like the neighbor will make a noise and i'll think that it's come through so there's mm. a lot of like eye rolling and <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah. so did you write the song on a specific instrument ahead of time or how, yeah. did, how did writing it go yeah so with that song with the three parts i like came up with the country-ish chord progression first 
and then tried to play it again later or the next day and realized that I was doing a different rhythm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I guess I have to pick one or the other. Which one is cooler? So I played them both to my partner and he was like, oh, you could just use them both in the same song. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) like that never would have occurred to me. Um, Yeah. So that's what I did. Uh, But I guess I'm wondering how you're writing then the multiple layers of parts. Oh yeah. I guess I kind of just write as I go. Like the baseline was like pretty, I just kind of figure it out as I go. I'm like, Uh okay, this is like probably a shuffle beat. Um, Do that. And then probably like traditional, like boom, boom, kind of country tempo over that. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah. Just using the chord structure, just kind of. So, is there a lot of improvised kind of takes in um, what you get, or is yeah, it you're I mean, doing I, enough times that it is yeah. a composed thing? I usually uh, will sit down and just like take five minutes to an hour to figure out what I want to play for that instrument, mm-hmm. and then and then do takes that evolve as mm-hmm. I do the forty of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then that harmony I, was the last thing that I wrote at the end. I didn't even know if it would work, but. Um, we were talking earlier about kind of like frameworks and those kind of like just re- removing decision making out of the process, I feel like is a huge part of like staying active for me because mm-hmm. it's like the more decisions I have to make, the less, you know, they just there's that decision fatigue part of it. There's just like most of those things I don't aren't things that I care about at all mm-hmm. in relation to music. So it's like having something like that where you're just kind of like, OK, I know the process that I'm going to go through with this. I'm just going to kind of like do this layering thing. Yeah, it's cool like where did friend take you oh yeah um yeah so you had let me choose between friend fate or was fever the other prompt sounds right but i I rarely remember the ones that aren't picked yeah Yeah, we get them from a random word generator online that's awesome so i was like man i could if i picked fate or fever i think like i could come up with something cool but I feel like friend popped out as one that like I've actually used in recent songs. Mm. It's like Mm -hmm. always kind of kicking around in my head lately. And I was like, I'm kind of like averse to too much responsibility, you know? (laughs) So I was like, I should just like choose the path of least resistance. So I went with friend because I knew I could like, to me at least like have it as inspiration. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the way it relates to me and my life lately I feel like it's more in the concept of like, is this a friend or an enemy? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, as opposed to like the literal, like, oh, I'm going to write a song about this person that I have a close relationship with. It was more right. like uh, speaking to me in terms of things that are supposed to be good for you that truly are not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know if I should like show my hand too much because I just kind of curious where it took you, like where it took you. Yeah. And we've talked about this a little bit. Like there's certain w- prompts that feel like there's know. nothing to rebel against. Ex- right. Yeah. Overly positive or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a dangerous um, territory. So you have to, right. Earnest. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if you, yeah, you could, you could take this direction where it's like, you think of like a friend that you have and you like write a song about them or something <laughs> like that. That's like, that's a lot. But so initially I kind of had similar ideas about kind of. And then you send them a big enemy. block text on a private message. I wrote this song all about you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Hope are we cool? <laughs> <laughs> but for you, it was kind of an easy that way in. Kind of was to have that the contrast. Yeah. Enemy. Yeah. Of like, I'll just say it's kind of about like religion and how you know to some of us it is the greatest thing in mm. your life, and it's something that you want to share with the people that you love. 
and that very thing can actually create huge barriers and boundaries um it can be harmful you mm-hmm. know shouldn't try to like beat around the bush too much i guess <laughs> like it can be harmful um yeah. when you take it to certain areas and, and let it justify uh harmful beliefs right and uh yeah that's just what i was thinking about and talking about in that song mm-hmm. this line really struck me i held a mirror up to the big empty place in you i mean i can see why you chose the name the big empty that's a really poetic line yeah. thanks the big empty sounds like it's like already a thing like you know it might I mean? be <laughs> but but like i don't think it is or we would know about it but you know it, it's got that uh iconic like solid iconic name recognition yes. thing mm-hmm. just like it's a good good string of words thanks that yeah. was like the line you know some lines you kind of like are just gibberish like stream of consciousness mm-hmm. so that was kind of one of those mm. and then the rest were kind of more carefully crafted yeah. you know well thanks for writing a song yeah. for the thanks podcast for having me and asking me to who's next who's gonna be next why don't you go next okay this song what did i write oh yeah okay so initially i kind of thought about i was i was pretty resistant i didn't really get a whole lot that um, popped into my head but then i was like symbiotic relation like i think it kind of made that kind of like symbiotic relationship like i think i wanted to take it somewhere abstract and then i started looking up symbiotic relationships i didn't realize i kind of had a different idea of what symbiotic relationship meant than what it actually means I, mm-hmm. I i basically what i thought it meant was um this other thing which is mutualism according to sciencing.com <laughs> it was only a matter of time before we ended up on sciencing.com um, <laughs> Basically, uh, a symbiotic relationship is an intermittent interaction between two or more species. So it can be like parasitic, mm-hmm. can oh, be okay. symbiotic. Like I, I just th- had it defined it seems differently beneficial. in my head. Yeah, exactly. That was what I always thought. Um, yeah. So there's this other term that's kind of where things are beneficial to both called mutualism. Uh, so I ended up it, like basically doing a bunch of research and like using that for the m- main kind of verse lyrics and then uh, setting that against story or like pop culture references of like friendships in culture i think is that a good explanation oh man i I didn't mean to look ahead and cheat but i see (laughs) Romy and michelle and i'm really excited oh yeah (laughs) speaking of lisa Lisa kudrow speaking of friends oh wow (laughs) actually that's the only one that i haven't even seen the thing so anyway okay here it is it's called symbiont Compliment proboscis in your nectary coming up through history together. You're my symbiont. Fungus growing ants actively propagate, nurture, and defend the basidiomycota. Oxpeckers and rhinoceroses, bacteria in our digestive systems, making one another better every way, every day we can. Just like Abby and the Lana, Calvin and Hobbes, Romy and Michelle. Yeah. 
clownfish and the tentacles of anemone. Algae on the back of a spider crab acting as camouflage ain't it the way to be? friendship <laughs> before silly, you silly played it uh-huh. did you say you said that's the one i haven't seen you mean romeo and michelle <laughs> i haven't seen romeo okay michelle. <laughs> now we have to watch romeo and michelle <laughs> i because i just looked up you know like a bunch of best friendships in mm-hmm. popular culture or something I'm like that i'm jealous of you that you get to watch romeo and michelle for the first time <laughs> exactly yeah it's a classic exactly. right i wasn't sure because you know like sometimes you'll pick something like that and not have the context and it'll just be like the mm. cringiest doesn't hold up kind of thing i bet it mm. holds up oh yeah. yeah it's got a good janine garofalo character Ooh, nice yeah, it's it's a good one there were, were there are there any other characters that you would add to this list mm. can you think of any, any i, I love head? that you put abby and alana first frog and toad probably frog and toad frodo and sam was um, on was on the list i, I rewatched all the lord of the rings recently uh-huh. I don't know why when I upon this rewatch I just like Sam's awesome friendship uh-huh. like came through so much for me and I already I knew that obviously before like watching it for the first time but like <laughs> he's the main character he, yeah I just didn't like I don't know it was just like Sam really saved shit in a way that I just didn't put together the first time I saw it yeah I don't know I haven't read the books he's but. basically Frodo's Sancho yeah Sam's Sancho Panza like I was having a hormonal day um <laughs> at some point after I watched the movie uh-huh. and I like just thought i just got this little flash of like sam's friendship and i just like got teary-eyed just thinking like sam is such a buddy like really really impressed that on me i thought red and and stimpy also potentially beavis Mm -hmm. and butthead although that's like maybe not so mutualistic (laughs) um what who's sancho and the don i should probably oh sancho panza and don quixote Oh. Uh, so Sancho Panza was basically, Don, you know, Don Quixote was just like this delusional dude, mm-hmm. like running through the countryside. And Sancho Panza was very much the Sam, like just keeping him in yeah. line, like oh. supporting him the whole time, like making sure he has everything that he needs and just really took care of him the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I kind of liked that about, you know, like these mutualistic relationships. I don't know if really they all like the pop culture ones all line up with mutualism necessarily, but in mutualistic relationships, it's so. it's interesting that they they all kind of like do it in pretty different ways than one another. Yeah, and there's mm-hmm. there's ones that are like uh, oh the protozoa that, that live in the termites. That one is a kind of mutualism where the two actually just can't survive without mm-hmm. the other one. Mm-hmm. Like they they literally like the termites need that in order to digest the wood pulp that they're eating, and the protozoa just can't live anywhere else. So they only live in termites' guts. I don't know if they only live in termites' guts. That, just guts. That would follow, just guts in general. I guess be from everything that I read, but I, you know, I'm also reading these like pop science <laughs> articles. <laughs> but that's different than the uh, uh, clownfish and the anemone one, mm-hmm. um, where it's like. 
they, those two species can survive by themselves, but they've developed this mutualistic relationship over time where like the clownfish have this like layer of stuff around their bodies that prevent the like tentacle poison from the uh-huh. um, anemones to poison them. And in turn, they like clean them and like protect them, protect from, them from the, their enemies. The enemies. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's a little different because they don't actually need each other in order to survive but i also thought it was interesting that just to think about the relationships of the characters too and just yeah. like how they they don't they they're gonna have this kind of like way of complementing each other but it's gonna be different like in different cases yeah totally just on the need of the individual or something it makes me think of victor might know or are you gardener too um you know the symbiotic or the mutualist yeah. species of plants that you can oh yeah like, plants like, together yeah, yeah, the like native americans corn and had squash it down. and yeah. beans yeah the yeah, nitrogen sisters. nitrogen fixing yes, exactly sisters. another mutualistic mm-hmm. relationship yeah. how long did it take you to um research all of these uh, buddy pairs you know i oh the buddy pairs well came, not the pop culture ones but the science the science ones took it just it's more kind of like the lyric writing element of it of like how is it, this gonna fit if, yeah. like finding the right words the one uh the ant one you know, there's these ants that they, they're basically like farmers. Like when this fungus doesn't exist, they will like cultivate the fungus. They'll create these like dung piles where the fungus can grow and stuff like that. And then they'll like take care of it. If other things attack it, they'll like so cool. attack, like take care of the fungus. But that is, I think it's a direct line from the Wikipedia article about <laughs> awesome. fungus fungus growing ants actively <laughs> propagate, nurture, and defend, defend the Basidio mycota. You mean Basidio mycota is not in your everyday <laughs> vernacular? I was wondering, how would you pluralize rhinos? Rhinoceroses? Rhinoceri? Rhinoceri. Okay, so you can, apparently, all of them are appropriate. You can either say rhinoceros, rhinoceri, or rhinoceroses, oh. and they're all right. That's also true of octopi. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Anyway, that's that's the song. What's your song? Um, I got experimental in many ways on my song nice. this week. Like it? Uh, I did drums first, and I just recorded an, a drum improvisation. Um, and usually I'll like prepare first, like, oh, this is basically what I'm gonna do, and then I'll press record. But this time I was like, no, I want to capture discovering what beat I even want to play. Mm-hmm. And I had just practiced playing drums to old time religion songs for, you know, those are fast songs. So I had just practiced that for like 40 minutes or something. And I was just wired. And I was like, okay, press record, do the drums. And I usually use a metronome. It's like my security blanket. Mm-hmm. I like to know that later on when I'm adding other instrument tracks that I'll be able to like just lock into that. And I didn't use it, so that was new. Um, and I ended up doing a drum part that like changed uh, went from straight to swing a bunch of times, and it got faster and slower. Nice. And it's just like is pretty random. And then I crafted, like I was saying earlier. Then then comes in the ninety percent where I just Filling. crafted electric tenor chord progression on it. And then I had uh, once I had the whole song and the singing was on it and everything, I had. Uh, a friend over to play bass who I've had, who's been consistently on my songs now for like, I don't know, a month or two. Yeah. Who I know that you know, Adrian, because you guys used to both play with Christina Cano. Oh, yeah. And it's Pony. Pony. AKA Zach Domer. So <laughs> Pony said this was the weirdest. He says this 
Yeah, wait a Occasionally. minute. <laughs> no, he said this was like, he liked it. He was like, how did you make this song? Because it's completely different from anything. And huh. it's really fun. He does seem to say it's the weirdest though a lot. I, I'm trying to get weirder. <laughs> I'm trying to get weirder and weirder. you're working on the pony metric. I'm, I'm working on that. And so it was really fun to have him over. He had rehearsed a bunch and written the part at home. So it was first take for him. So there's, oh, a, wow. there's a lot of first take yeah. stuff on here. And then there's a lot of just like other elements that I added later and the other experimental element was for the lyrics I used an improv game to generate the lyrics cool. wow. um, which I played by myself which <laughs> apparently you can do you can just take like an improv warm-up game and just do it by yourself and then record it or write it down I just wrote it down afterwards but I just sat outside so there's a lot of like out- <laughs> I'm I'm very I I used to work at a comedy like improv theater playing drums along which of course you've played uh shows there. So when I worked at the comedy theater, I did the warm-ups occasionally with the the comedy players, but they're so good. I'm like I'm like a person who's just only dabbled in playing a guitar at home and then you go to a jam or something and you're like, oh, I'm scared, like I'm yeah. not going to make it. But there's a few games I've played with those folks um, that are, I feel like, easy enough for me to get a hold of mm-hmm. as having no experience in that. And one of them, uh, it's called Hey Fred Schneider. Mm. And I know that you've heard that game because yeah. um, they played it on the delightful podcast Freedom before have you heard of this game no it's like you have a group of people and everyone says hey fred schneider what are you doing and then you go around and each person answers and you just like make something up but you have to answer in rhythm you answer in rhythm and you answer (laughs) as if you are fred schneider from the b52s (laughs) Uh which you brought up earlier so yeah you'd be like hey Fred Schneider, what are you doing? I'm have. Oh, let me start again. Hey, Fred Schneider, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm doing a podcast with some really good friends. <laughs> you know, like you just have to do it in I his voice. I love this game. Yeah. It is so very fun. Um, and it worked. Like I tricked my, it, I was able to trick myself into saying stuff that didn't even make sense. Like it doesn't right. matter if it makes sense. It's about the free associative nature. It is. It. Yeah. And I'm like, lyrics are the hardest part usually yeah. for me. And I'm, pretty picky with them like i'd rather not have you know bad lyrics out there in the world so it it, i don't know it really unlocked something for me so that i ended up saying weird phrases and i i'm gonna say about 80 percent of the song was just straight up just use those lines that i came up with i love all of that i had to move a few of them like I would change the phrase to what was at the end of the phrase would go Mm -hmm. to the beginning of the phrase and a few things like that also i changed it to we Instead of I, mm-hmm. hey, Fred Schneider, what are you doing? We're doing something, you know? So, because it, it's about friends in general, hanging out with friends. It's called With You.
Yeah. So cool. Drumboree. So in walks Pony and just plays that take and then is like, okay, <laughs> let's listen back. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You really took us for a ride. Yeah. There's so I many did. great uh, lines in here. I'm staring into the fire till time explodes. I that, think. that was one of the improv ones mm. that mm-hmm. I surprised myself <laughs> with that I liked. My favorite one, I think, was... Um, I had to put the word out in to like make it fit lyrically, but it was, we're wrestling in the psychic mud. <laughs> like, what? Where did that come from? A lot of the stuff was just me looking around the yard. Like, there is a fr- there's a part about a frisbee split stuck in a tree. Oh, yeah. And there is a split frisbee um, that got uh, broken and struck on. Uh, stuck on some string lights we have outside so you know some of it is just like always, what are my eyes looking at right at this moment i always look at that frisbee and think that it's there intentionally like and serves a purpose for some reason it's just a little <laughs> moment in time that got stuck nice on there i love we're wrestling i actually like that you put the word out you know we're wrestling it out in the psychic mud that makes me think of back to like social media but also just like the time that we're in where everyone's like disagreeing all the time mm-hmm. you know like yeah we're working through some some muddy shit yeah, yeah i was thinking about friendship in terms of not just like the positives you know yeah. i was thinking about friendship in a way that's very different from like an intimate partner or from your family it's in this way that's like i don't know we're all alone really in this world you were you'll die alone and we don't know what's going to happen all the uncertainty and the angst and that kind of stuff there's some thing about just letting loose with friends that mm-hmm. that somehow i don't know if it confronts that notion or it's like in spite of it you're like yeah. there's like some danger like when you're getting into trouble with friends i thought that kind of stuff you know like you're just doing like maybe some questionable stuff that you wouldn't well, do on your own but you have like the strength of numbers. right and yeah. we i think we we are alone but when you feel seen that's a whole other level of kind of like acknowledgement of like bigger consciousness in the world or something like that like i mean obviously friends add something to people's lives <laughs> yeah there's like a boldness and, uh-huh. a, and an adventure thing with friends that was like i was just kind of thinking about that before i did the the hey fred schneider <laughs> myself <laughs> which by the way i had to do out loud uh-huh. like i would try to do it in my head and i couldn't my brain was timid yeah so i really I had to sit there force like, yourself hey, to say the words what? It's just me in the yard, just like the rustling of the wind in the trees and this the gentle... rustling of the... <laughs> rustling of wind in the trees. <laughs> yes, exactly. Cool. So, cool way to write a song. Fun, very experimental. So yeah, feel I... free to use that, you guys. If you want to I... use Hey Fred Schneider, yeah. it's like actually produ- can not? produce some results. Oh, yeah. I'm going to use it all the time until my husband leaves me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love how you layer like every step of that process was just an experiment um so when you made your drum track did you have like any sense of like baseline or chord progression or anything like that no no key wild i knew it could be for this prompt mm-hmm. um and that's really the only thing yeah and i didn't have a melody in mind except for the fred schneider <laughs> right. game melody and it's it's more specific than that it is in the present tense, you know, what are you doing? Uh-huh. You know, it's not how you f- necessarily, it could be how you feel about something, but it's not about something that you did or that you're wondering about. It's I am doing this mm-hmm. or we are doing this. And that seems to limit it mm-hmm. and make it a little bit easier. Cool song. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm definitely going to play around with more 
experimentation this way because I yeah. really had no idea how it was going to end up. Yeah. I forgot to mention the exper- uh, lyric device that I used uh, the other podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. We had um, Tron, Old Great God, on, and he talked about how sometimes he'll um, start his songs by taking a word and using it as an acrostic. So the first oh, yeah. uh, line that I have is friend for real, infinite elixir, no denying. That's a little acrostic on oh, friend. Oh, nice. Wow, I would not have picked that up. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Very cool, everybody. Hey. Uh, we did it. Uh, Very cool. <laughs> thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Anything you want people to know about, places they can follow you on the internet, that kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Instagram, uh, uh-huh. autopilot is for lovers, all one word, Instagram. I also make jewelry mm-hmm. on another Instagram account, autopilot.empires dot jewelry no underscores um and you put those videos you were talking about on yeah your instagram. i have a lot of it looks kind of crazy because instagram's already a bunch of squares so then right. i got a lot of squares made up of a lot of other smaller squares nice. into infinity into dust yeah nice well thanks for doing this the only one thing left to say we, we can, can bang, bang on, on pots, pots and pans, pans and still kick out some honest jams Honest Jams podcast is written, recorded, and produced by Al Alvis and A. Walker Spring and edited by me. Reach us at honestjamspodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Victor Nash for mixing our theme. Special thanks to Oogie. And thank you for listening. We can't wait to hear what you make. <laughs>